wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul? Take me home. What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss? Homeward bound to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the fifth stop of the Family Road Trip Podcast. Inconceivable. You never know what you're going to get. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and three wonderful couples that we are truly blessed by and so grateful for that they take this time not only... Um, in their own homes, that they are seeing the blessing and struggles and the blessings from the struggles coming, but also just blessing us with this time. So, Steph, five weeks ago, who would have thunk it? Who would have thought that when we spoke of heroism and challenge and we speak to that image you see at ilovemyfamily.us, and we say, have the courage to go there. So it's an image of a wide open road with lightning and thunder striking in the distance. And it's an image that we've offered a couple seasons ago of this, of what it means to bring our families together, the challenge of bringing our families together for a time of meaningful talk and prayer. And we punctuate the fact that the best of the best families, good families, like all of you folks who are out there listening, let's face it, when do we really take that time to connect meaningfully with one another? And the reality is life has been so busy for most of us that we just don't do it. And so all of a sudden, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, things started to get serious. Those clouds started to come in that none of us expected from China. The only thing that is made in China that has lasted has stuck with us. Anyways, those clouds came out of China and have spread throughout the world. And they've done what? They've confined us to our homes with our spouse and our children, with these concerns that surround us and potential economic collapse. We don't know what's going to entail, but in the very heart of it, we're what? We're with our families. We're with that icon of the Trinity that God has blessed us with, an occasion of ever-deepening encounter with Him alive in our marriage and family. And the truth is, as I say this, I realize that many of us have become so distanced from that that we don't even know how to tap that gold. We don't know how to mine the gold of the relationship with these people around us. And, um, we're being honest and saying there's no easy solution. There's no easy answer. But we are being invited now in a special way, all of America, many throughout the world, to open the door and consider the the joy and the delight that is a son or daughter, a brother, a sister, a parent. And that's what this journey is really all about. Regardless of whatever happens in the world around us, this is the gift to more fully encounter God alive in our marriages and families. And these awesome families have said yes to putting a flag in the sand. What does that mean? To gather on a weekly basis to talk and pray using this very easy to use live it gathering guide. So we're chronicling that. It's a reality story and these uh, road trippers along the journey with us are sharing with us candidly the struggles, the challenges, the difficulties, and I have to say the awesome triumphs, the overcoming in their marriages and families as they're saying yes. Let's focus every time we hear that word corona, it means crown. God is sovereign. 
God wears the crown. God is over all. Everything that has ever happened throughout history up to this present day and everything you are beautiful brothers and sisters who are hearing us right now is under his authority. It's under his sovereignty. And he works all things to his greater glory. glory. Sometimes to greater glory? No, bad one. His greater glory. And uh, we got to avail ourselves. That is the challenge of life. That as we face these challenges that we relinquish, we surrender lesser things for greater And that's the meaning of the cross and all the more beautifully uh, thematized by the fact that we're in Lent. So... Knights, share with us a blessing from the coronavirus circumstances that surround us. I think the blessing, you know, the obvious blessing is being able to spend more time together Um, but after a few days we were starting to step on each other's toes and um, there's such a thing as kind of too much time together. Sticks Um, wrote a song about that. I gotta play that. So we've learned um, how to get through that you know and to come Mm. up with different things and be creative and try new things and to kind of understand you know, when someone needs space and Mm. not take it personally. And so it's just been an opportunity to practice that. And I think that's a real blessing. Kathy, what is one game-changing thing that you did that had that kind of, aha, this is actually kind of cool and a a shift from maybe stepping on each other's toes? (laughs) We... Uh, played Yahtzee mm. like six times a day. <laughs> and we don't really, um, you know, we'll do one game, you know, every once in a while. But when you play it again and again, and, and I finally got my Yahtzee and Greg, that was a game changer. Awesome. You have ever rolled a Yahtzee? Yes. Mm. There's, There's no nothing like feeling. it. There's nothing like That's it. That's awesome. You should have broadcast that live. You could have sold tickets in the absence of the NCAA March Madness going yeah. on. We got the night, <laughs> the madness, night madness, Yahtzee <laughs> madness going on here. Awesome. Chris, what you got for us? A blessing. Uh, blessing has been uh, we shut down Thursday morning, so I've had the last five days. I haven't had a vacation in about six, seven months, so it's been nice. Wow. Mm. to uh, actually walk the dog every day, do things, you know, don't have to be in the rat race, run, run, run. Right. You know, you actually got to slow down when you're working six, seven days a week. So right. it's actually been a relief and be able to help around the house more that Kathy still has to work, be able to contribute more all the way around. So it's been a relief. You're giving the fish a bit of a reprieve also. They're able to swim around freely without the fear of the dreaded Chris rod and reel. Taking no, them out. They, they didn't make it yesterday. They, they got fried. Yeah. Oh, good. Jeff's going to get his helping tomorrow. So. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Cross town to the pains, a blessing in the pain household. Well, we um, we prayed the uh, family stations of the cross twice last week. Mm-hmm. Um, we have these the little plastic eggs that we put. I put a little symbol in for each station. 
I did that mm. years ago when mm -hmm. they were little and they still love them. So, um, so we did that two different times and I fumble my way through the Stabat Mater um, at the cross her station keeping yeah, on the mm. I'm glad uh, you said that because people may have thought you were swearing at me so I'm <laughs> glad we got a good translation there that's beautiful uh, so yeah that, and then we also prayed the rosary that the Pope asked us to pray mm. on Thursday so significant and we did our lit meeting so significantly more family prayer than uh, yeah. ever ever really good and we did we did how, how many mornings morning prayer like yeah. maybe four mornings of morning mm. prayer. It's very, some of us some of yeah. us <laughs> and that's okay it's a very prayer heavy week for all of us awesome we were looking a little southwest and we saw a glow illuminating the southwestern sky from yeah. us and uh it, we knew it was the pain household so it's shining brightly Amen. Um, it, was, it was the lightning from all the <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little of that too it um, all adds to the beauty <laughs> awesome Seth was that yours yes I'm just making oh, sure I, I think I think tied to that for for me it was um, the difficulties that we've had this week especially in our prayer um, of seeing that we are really in you know the thing that I've been reminded about all week this past week is that we truly are in uh, in a battle. We are truly in a spiritual mm -hmm. battle, and um, you know, I think about the you know the the bombs and and the fireworks and any 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 kind of image that you have of flashing lights mm -hmm. tied to tied to a, a large battle, and I think that's been our house in the last week, uh, and having our eyes opened up to to not only the the struggle but also the victory that we have through that struggle. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure it resonates with everybody Lots out there, yeah. all of us. So thank you. Seymour's blessing. Well, I have been um, cleaning the basement and the kids have been helping me. Yay. And in that, uh, my kids didn't realize that we had an old ping pong table tucked away and folded up. So we set up the ping pong table and we've had some some serious ping pong action with all the different kids in the basement. So that's, that's been great. a lot of fun. Who's the Mac Daddy ping pong player? Well, we haven't seen the Mac Daddy play yet. Brett hasn't made his way to the basement <laughs> yet, but we all know he's he's the pro in the house. Awesome. He has some mad skill where he puts a spin on the ball. It's, it's pretty sick. Keep him so, busy upstairs. Keep your self-esteem going, kids. <laughs> he, he's kind of a snob, though. He has to get his special paddles out. <laughs> yeah, special paddles out yeah. Does he hide it when he's at work under lock and key? Is that of a retinal <laughs> retinal scan? He must, because I don't know where the paddles are. So. <laughs> They're in a, in a special place. Brett? So that's the blessing. I don't even look at my schedule anymore, which is so fun, because I'm wow. used to looking at my schedule on my phone every day. To right. say, okay, you're taking so and so to soccer, mm -hmm. and I'm taking so and so to track, and then we got to run over here and do this. And take it easy, take it easy. Don't let the sound of your own wheels make you crazy. In the first few days, I kept looking at my calendar, and I was like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't right, <laughs> there's nothing there. <laughs> That's so now awesome. I'm not even looking at it. I'm like, oh, what game are we going to play tonight? That's so. great. What a blessing. That's, That's great. Good. I love yes. it. It's going to save me. Brett, the secret weapon. 
of the ping pong. The secret ping pong panels have been hidden and uh, they won't come out until I'm ready to go to the basement. But um, we had a really great experience last week in, um, you know, the kids are are schooling at home now. So my daughter got an electronic assignment for her to read the Stations of the Cross. And she took it upon herself to organize uh, candlelit family Stations of the Cross. Uh, It was cool. Uh, it was in the basement before the ping pong table was all the way set up. We didn't have a net or any of that stuff set up. And so we were all around that table with only candle lit. Uh, mm-hmm. And each of the kids read a couple of the stations. And it was just beautiful for us all to share that as a family. It was really nice. That's awesome. awesome. And we were blessed um, to see the picture of that that you had sent. And it's quite moving just even in the stillness of the photograph, if you will, just you can feel the grace and and the blessing that certainly the Lord showered upon your family in that moment. And the the greatest beauty is the initiation by your daughter. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just awesome. Awesome. That was awesome. That's one small step for man. Folks, so blessed you're on the road with us, a family road trip podcast, the fifth stop of seven stops in this journey leading into Easter, which, gosh, could we ever have a more vivid experience of the cross uh, than something that we certainly could, that the truth is. People have been in war and difficult times in the past, but we Americans are being brought low. We share that journey with you right now of bowing from those things, turning from those things, and bowing to God more fully. So we encourage you to join us at ilovemyfamily.us. And a key thing here is really having the heart of the Father for those closest to us, the heart of the Father, his love for those closest to us, and a great way to mine that great gift in another person, the gold in another person, is asking good questions. So again, if you go to ilovemyfamily.us, you'll see a bunch of really good questions. And we're now going to go around again, and as an example, I'm going to ask each of our road trippers a question. Marriage is what brings us together today. it's not just one event. I kind of thought about this and our journey is more of a series of Mm -hmm. events. Chris and I met later in life. So we brought a lot of baggage into our marriage, Mm. um, not only from our families of origin, but also the hurt and brokenness of failed marriages Mm. and betrayals from extended family members. There's a custody battle in Mm. there plus our own doubts and fears and insecurities. The first five years of our marriage were dangerously difficult. Um, Our marriage is by no means the model marriage. Um, It's been more like like a mosaic Mm -hmm. of broken pieces. And we've spent most of our 16 years together learning how do we pick up the broken pieces and what do we do with them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking back, we were kind of drawn together by our brokenness, and that's not a very solid foundation to build on, unless 
you're willing to learn from it and not run from it. Mm-hmm. And Chris is a lot of things, but most importantly, he's very committed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a Chinese proverb that says the only way out of something is all the way through it. Mm, I love that. So awesome. I had to learn how to take hurt and bring it to Jesus for healing and transformation instead of blaming and, you know, um, getting angry and staying defensive. And that's how Chris has led me closer to Jesus. Mm. It seems we're always learning how to master the art of loving each other better. I love that. So beautiful. So I'm starting to get the bridegroom metaphor Mm. (laughs) and how our marriage is a lot like our journey to God. It's, uh, it can be both heartbreaking and hopeful. And I don't always choose the most loving thing to do, but I'm different now because when I come before Jesus with a humble heart, a contrite heart, He heals me and I draw closer to Him and I draw closer to Chris as well. Kathy, you just so beautifully articulated the story, the story, a unique face to it for you and Chris, but it is the story of all of us more fully discovering who we are in Christ and battling with, shall we say, demons, challenges, difficulties, struggles, but Christ in his triumph prevailing step by step, glory to glory. And uh, just thanks so much for your honesty and just sharing that. And anybody who's out there, if nothing else, we give you permission to go to that place uh, uh, we are going to be honest about your history and the struggles that you've had. And hopefully it's something you can share with your spouse. Hopefully it's something you can open up a door in a non-confrontational, non-defensive way and, you know, reflect on your own, each of our own ways that maybe we have fallen short. Even just if we did that this next week, just took some time and, and offered to our beautiful spouse, the one God has called us into this beautiful image of himself in, and just took the time and said, hey, here's ways I've really fallen short and here's ways I really want to work at it and uh I really apologize and just ask for your prayers and want to work with you. You've just beautifully kind of communicated all that in your story. With such grace filled words mm-hmm. that I know the Lord will use. Thank you, Kathy. Chris. Yes. That was that was awesome. Yeah. She's uh, <laughs> Yeah, she is. She's very so very good with words and our journey started about sixteen years ago and we she lived in Avon. I lived in Huron, so we're about twenty five minutes apart. So as we dated and and eventually got married. We tried a couple different non-denominational churches and we couldn't really connect. It wasn't just relationship, but also in the church. We didn't we couldn't figure out what we wanted to do. So I don't know how we got to St. Peter's. I do know. It was through her. She investigated it and decided, you know, we want to be Catholic church. I was Methodist. So we decided, I said, Yeah, let's try it. We gotta try something. It's, it's I'm not connecting. We took we had a lot of conversation about it on and off. We went and we it really we really connected with our own community and, and it really helped spark our relationship and obviously we went through the um to to the to uh, the father Jeff the old father Jeff there and it was uh he was excellent he really helped us mm. help me connect with her and, and awesome. in a relationship sent but also grow with Jesus with her that's awesome. understand thanks so much Chris and Kathy now across town to the pains. Can you guys each share with us a story that best illustrates how your spouse has been Jesus to you? The, the, the time when Michelle has been Jesus to me most has been the times when we have had our had our struggles and conflicts 
because it just showed me that we're, we're always going to have conflict in this life. And especially, um, especially with Jesus, we're going to have conflict. But, but, through, but through the victory that we have through Jesus, we have, you know, he's given us victory. And so we can claim that victory and, um, and we can use that victory to, to grow closer to him. So that's, that's where, where she has been an image of Christ to me. Awesome. Thank you. Michelle? Well, I think that my relation, my relationship with Seth, he has helped me learn how to take care of myself um, in a way that sort of protects me from, from overdoing and doing too much and also helps point me towards what I'm like supposed to be doing mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. my life, um, which is then what God, what God is calling me towards. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just recently, last summer, I said, I can't do this thing next spring. You need to find somebody else to do it to, you know, these people that I was working with. And they did. And then at the very last minute in January, um, the person who was supposed to do it said, wait, this isn't, I don't know how to do that. Mm. Can, can you do that? <laughs> and <laughs> like, well, no, I mean, I didn't know what to do. I thought, well, you know, I don't want to leave this person in the lurch. And I don't want to that person in the lurch. And I, and oh, I'm, I'm needed. And I should, so I should go and I should do this thing. And Seth was like, no, you know, you had good reasons for saying you couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I was going to be feel guilted into it, but he just, he was, he was protecting me. One of the greatest hazards that you uh, point out is especially for a golden heart like yours michelle and i think we all aspire to have that is thinking that doing a good thing is the same as doing god's thing and the enemy Mm -hmm. can get in there and weave into it and and before you know it we find ourselves embattled and not even capable of of uh being the blessing that we're called to be in the hierarchy god spouse family and everyone else so i i do agree with you and i think my spouse stephanie has equally been a voice of wisdom to speak Speak to my greatest good and help me recognize, if you will, those hazard spots in the road so I can go around them. That's that's really awesome. Seymour's, share with us, how has your spouse brought you closer to Jesus? Well, when Brett and I um, started dating, we were probably in our mid-20s, and um, the short and skinny of it is I hadn't been going to Mass in at least 10 or more years. And I don't even think it was a conversation when we first met religion or anything, Hmm. but somewhere when we were dating in there, he said, oh, I'm Catholic. And I was like, oh, yeah, me too. (laughs) You know, even though I haven't really been practicing Catholic, but he said, well, let's go to church on Sunday. And that's kind of was that. And we went to church. And ever since then, we've been going to church and have grown more and more in our faith as we've gone. So... That's awesome. Nikki, I have to ask the question for our wonderful listeners who've been following. They know that you guys have eight beautiful children, the eighth coming shortly, um, which is to suggest that you have embraced a fullness and richness, not that all are called prayerfully before God to have, to be open to God's will, yes, but to have that many children you have and praise God what a beautiful witness that you are. Did that come immediately to you, or was that uh, openness to life as a spouse, as a mother, something that came later on in your relationship? Because it is countercultural. So just for our listeners, you know, what are you thinking? 
What were you thinking? How did God um, prevail in that? Brett and I are just kind of take it as it comes kind of people, I think. So I, I know when I married Brett, he wanted, he was really wanted children. He was really looking forward to it, but mm. we never discussed how many kids or how that was going to go or, and we just kind of went along and here we are. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't say we ever planned it. Mm. It just is what it is. And you wear it very we, naturally. And it is, as you know, quite countercultural. And uh, obviously, to exude the joy, I should say the joy in the midst of self-sacrifice, which I think are woven together. I don't think true joy is found outside of self-sacrifice, but you as a family and all those families that we know like that definitely exude, all the families here tonight, exude that delight and that joy of of the cross of self-sacrifice. And I just want to acknowledge um, those of you listening, Greg used the phrase open to life. too often we look at families and if they have a ton of kids to find ton (laughs) it's different for everybody um you know we say they're open to life and yet as kathy shared last week if i could jump back to that just desiring a larger Mm -hmm. family Mm -hmm. and that openness there but from the outsider's view Mm -hmm. you know they're they're blessed with their grace right Mm -hmm. and their little one in heaven um so i guess it's a a Whoops, as I hit the microphone, I don't know if challenge is the right word, but to have empathy and Absolutely. Um, to step back because it can come across as judgmental. Absolutely. Um, that nobody knows other the people's circumstances. circumstances. Yeah. And um, just, I know a, a man from our former Diocese of Erie who actually had 14 <laughs> children, he and his wife, and uh, he was a former Protestant pastor who mm-hmm. converted to Catholicism and one of the most devout, sincere Catholics that I've ever met, he and his wife. Mm-hmm. And I just remember him saying, it's a cross not to have children, and it's a cross to have children. Mm-hmm. And the Lord decides upon which cross you know, and either way, it's all gift. So well put. So I just want to throw yeah. that out there. No, it's important. Thank you. Yeah. Brett, how has your wife brought you closer to Jesus? Yeah, so as Nikki said, you know, uh, when we were first dating, um, you know, she wasn't practicing. And then in throughout our marriage, I think we've grown closer uh, to Christ in our relationship uh, with the church. And back in 2011, my brother and sister-in-law had a little baby who was born Uh, with a very rare skin disease and so during that time we spent a lot of time in prayer and actually during that time nikki took up an hour a week of adoration Mm -hmm. at a a adoration chapel here in town and we kept that hour for the better part of seven years so her encouragement to bring me to adoration to pray with christ um in the presence of jesus was Mm. just tremendous So as a Catholic, if somebody, Brett, just happened to tune in right now, give us the 411 on what you're talking about. We're approaching the Last Supper. What are you talking about? So as Catholics, we believe that uh, Christ is present in the Eucharist. He is that body, and that is the body of Jesus Christ. And so we will go to an adoration chapel where the body of Christ is there present Mm -hmm. with you on display um, for us to prayer before, and uh, we would spend many hours in there praying for Mm -hmm. God's will to be done um, on my niece, and we continue to do that, not not just for her, but for others, Mm -hmm. as she has passed, 
And uh, so we spend a fair amount of time in adoration of the body of Christ. Awesome. For any of you who are hearing Brett give this testimony right now, we've got a little more time on our hands. Most of us, I encourage you to Google Eucharistic Miracles. Google that search phrase, Eucharistic Miracles, and note throughout the centuries some scientifically validated, amazing stories. Also, Google, um, I don't know what search terms you would use, but real presence in the early church. You will, you will see quote after quote from the earliest centuries of conviction that what the church understood when Jesus said in John 6, this is my body, this is my blood. He who does not eat of my body or drink of my blood has no life within him. And obviously in that passage, if you even read John 6, many left him. And Jesus didn't go back after them and say, wait, wait, I'm just kind of kidding. I'm just kind of giving an analogy or something. No, he recognized that and wanted them to know this is a tough teaching and it's true. And that was a filtering thing. Those uh, who were around were equally mystified, didn't quite get how that worked out. But he said, aren't you going to go also? And Peter says, no, you're the Christ. You have the words of everlasting life. Catholics understand from the very beginning of Christ who gave us this church that this truly is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. The one sacrifice made present on every altar throughout history. It is the one sacrifice and present to us in his fullness. So check that out. And uh, for those of us who maybe believe that, maybe we should pray all the more. Lord, help me to believe it all the more, especially in this time of absence, in this time of distance. Um, so those of us who've been used to going to uh, Sunday Mass and even daily Mass at times, we're experiencing an ache. You know, we're experiencing a privation. We're experiencing um, some real pangs. And uh, if you're not experiencing that, those pangs, you know, it's really saying, Lord, uh, I believe. Help my unbelief. Increase my belief in your real presence. Because obviously, he's the king of the universe, in and through whom all things are created. He holds us, our very existence, in being. And he's given us the gift of himself in his body and blood. We're on a mission. That was awesome. tuned in to Ignite Radio Live, the family road trip podcast. And again, we're on the fifth stop of the seven-week journey. These heroic couples have said yes to gathering on a weekly basis to talk and pray, to discover God more fully alive in their marriages and in their families. And uh, we encourage you to join us. It's a participatory program. Go to ilovemyfamily.us and all will be made clear. We're going to go around one final time and see how they did this past week in their family live it gathering and ask them each to kind of share one story of something that touched them. So let's go back to the nights. Take time to make time, make time to be there. Yes, we, we gathered together in our, in our family room together, kind of started a new routine by doing, not doing it after dinner mm-hmm. and it, Went fairly well. It was a long reading. It was long. For the, for the last reading, which I was, I got that one by default. We went one, two, three, and I was the last three, <laughs> so I got the long one. But it was, um, it was touching. I think I'll, you know, it took Grace a little bit of time to comprehend it about the Pharisees questioning, you know, Jesus healing the blind, the mm. blind son about whether the sin of the parents or was mm. it the sin of the child? And it was, 
none of the above. You know, we, we had a good discussion about the Pharisees was that was kind of the norm and Jesus was kind of the not of the norm back then. So we, it was kind of enlightening to see her finally catch on. It took twice to explain it and she kind of got it. So it was a pretty deep, deep moment. Isn't that striking that that scriptural account presents to them, those who are participants in that story, and also us throughout all of history, the decision that the blind man had of choosing relationship or choosing religion. Literally, he was banished from worshiping in the temple by choosing belief in Jesus Christ. And I think many people out there, let's just just name it, many people, because we're human, we're imperfect, the church got entrusted to imperfect humanity, it's perfect in its essence, and some people don't get that. But because God's desire that we participate in his salvation, and we're imperfect throughout history, many of us, all of us to some extent, have been wounded by the imperfect representation of Christ in the church. And many have maybe said, you know what, forget this. You know, I know that priest, or I know that person and the way they are and the way they work and the way they act. The, the blemish that we all are in this humanity. Why God would choose to do that is beyond me. But I think what we're discovering now, especially in this difficult time of being away from church, hopefully is an awareness that we have to recover the relationship at the heart of the ritual. That we're all sinners. We're all fallen. And we come to Jesus not because we've arrived, but because we need him. We come, we come to church because he desires to make us whole and to make us holy. And that story, I think, com- uh, communicates some of that challenge. Kathy? Yeah, so I got the chance to kind of bring in the um, this shut-in situation. And it was all fun at first and kind of um, exciting to be online and learning. Um, but we, you know, in a couple of weeks time, it may not be so mm-hmm. exciting. And, um, just to remember that Jesus is our light. She's, he's our hope. Um, and the further we move away from Jesus, the less we experience that light. Mm-hmm. So we have to remember to be mindful and to stay close to Jesus, um, p- through prayer and family time and doing, um, our live it together and uh, keep that hope alive. Amen. That was awesome. We can make it happen. Yeah. We can make it happen. We can make it happen. Pains, tell us about your gathering and a blessing from it. As Michelle shared before, this week has been really great because of the amount of prayer that we had in our in all of our meetings. Um and so, yeah, that that for me has been just really eye-opening mm. into uh, into what God wants us to do every day. You know, God wants to spend time with us every day in prayer, and uh, and especially as I've learned this past week, especially first thing in the morning. You know, God wants us to get up, and um, you know, I think about how we are called to tithe at church, give our first our first fruit, our first ten percent. And that even that even involves our time. God wants the first ten percent mm-hmm. of every single day of ours. That's awesome, Michelle. Um, well, so for our lit meeting, we did it Saturday night, and we just talked about the um, the story of David being anointed by mm-hmm. Samuel. Mm-hmm. And we do have that in our um, Jesus Storybook Bible, which is a really great, really great mm. children's Bible. Um, it is. We've given that as gifts right. many a time. 
It's a beautiful yeah, Bible. All of the Old Testament stories sort of very overtly hint at um, at Jesus and say, you know, but this was so, you know, David is is the king who is the forerunner to the king that will be the great rescuer. It really shows how everything ties together into, you know, the one big story. I think the girls really understood and felt it's not the biggest or the strongest, but that the smallest, the littlest person who mm. also loves Jesus is very important mm -hmm. um, and can be a great blessing. So I, I felt like that message really got through to them and, mm -hmm. and touched them as, as small people, little people, <laughs> young people. Yeah. Beautiful. Seth? Well, I'm also I'm reminded of the the song we've we've sung it a couple of times in our some of our family get-togethers of Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. <laughs> Go ahead, you can sing it. Jesus was, was, was a wee little, little man, and a wee little man was he. <laughs> he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And the Lord said, Zacchaeus, you come down, or I'm going to your house today. As, as Michelle said, the last paragraph of each of the Old Testament stories, it, it ended the story by saying, hey. Jesus is the, uh, the rescuer, the rescuer hmm. and he is going to come and rescue us. How did I miss this, Steph? This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> We've given this book in the classical form in our home. It's my wife gives the gifts, and I just kind of smile and nod and say, <laughs> you're welcome to those who thank me. It's all but good. But that's, that's awesome, the foreshadowing of Christ in the Old Testament mm -hmm. and overtly there to set the stage for the little minds and hearts and big minds and hearts um, mm -hmm. for the fulfillment in the New Testament. How awesome is that? Maybe you'll get it in your Yeah, Easter how basket. awesome for you guys, both as converts to the Catholic faith, uh, to, you know, even see that fullness punctuated in Catholicism also. Okay, huh? just a random thought. I don't know where I saw this recently, but it was talking about Zacchaeus and the sycamore tree. And of course, anytime you hear that story, yes, that song comes into your mind, right? The sycamore tree was there long before Zacchaeus was and Jesus coming through, right? So that kind of the idea of the Lord's provision, he provides ahead of time, you know. That's and, awesome. Um, that sounds like a Father Nick Rao. It sounds like the kind of thing that he'd point out on one of the And I'm, I'm just, since just I'm going off, out I'm going off before we go to the Seymours too, I was thinking as we were talking at the beginning of this podcast about um, all that's going on in the world and such and what the Lord is doing and how we are responding and... Um, you know, the the readings um, in the Old Testament throughout the week have been about Exodus and Moses mm -hmm. and whatnot. And of course, we always think of the parting of the Red Sea mm -hmm. and the whole lesson. One of the many lessons there is that the Lord didn't just remove the Red Sea completely, right? It was still surrounding them, but he opened up a path to get through it. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's so important for us to remember during this time, Go into it. just to lean into it and trust in the Lord and know that He is clearing that path. That was awesome. Seymour's, how's that for a leading? Absolutely. Seymour's. How does your uh, lit gathering go this week, and what's a blessing or a story from it? Yeah, so this week we uh, last minute decided to change it up. And so we've been doing our lit gathering on 
Sunday evenings. And uh, this Sunday, we were just behind all day. Um, our oldest son, Carter, had to work all day. So we did mass when he got home from work. Um, and then during dinner, we decided to do our lit gathering. Um, and it was a bomb, frankly. <laughs> it was a small explosion set off by mom and dad at the dinner table because we have a couple of kids that don't do well to last minute adjustments. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, we threw it at them and, and there was the explosion. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna let Nikki share with you the greatness that she found in that explosion. Awesome, awesome. great setup. <laughs> the good stuff I found was our 17-year-old Carter. He was ambitious and looked up the gospel reading on his phone. Wow. And took it upon himself to read it to us. He did He did stop for a second when he saw how long it was. <laughs> just he, he just through. like Chris Knight did. <laughs> yes, he followed through after he, and he said he was going to do it, so he did it. So at least our 17-year-old hung in there and participated. Yeah. You know, the other good but bad thing was I ended up taking two snotty teenagers' cell phones away for being disrespectful mm. and rude. And, and and there's some goodness in that because, you know, going forward, they know hopefully maybe we'll get some better answers out of them than just the smart Alex stuff that they say. To Not playing games. Right, right, right. So they had to have some kind of a punishment. So hopefully looking forward, we'll... We'll, uh, see some improvement. I hope. Yeah, no, I affirm. I mean, any any type of follow through is Absolutely. always good, and there's always grace in that and establishing that. Um, On the subject, I'm going to have the audacity to ask: in this culture that is overly wired, that is into devices, which we know can be divisive, uh, I want to ask you the question: as parents, how did you discern, and how do you manage cell use among your teens? Well, that's that's a tough one. <laughs> that's why I asked um, you. Yeah, when we started with our first teenager, he wasn't allowed to have one until he was going into high school. And I checked it all the time. Um, and, you know, he wasn't allowed to have certain things. He wasn't allowed to be on certain types of stuff. And I talked with him a lot about it as 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 we went along over the couple years after. And then I got comfortable with him. And I, I probably honestly haven't looked at his cell phone in a couple years. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the next one, I think she was, she's seventh grade or eighth grade? She was younger, but she was playing sports um, in Adrian, Michigan. And so she was away from the house and we wanted her to have the safety of the phone mm -hmm. so she could phone us if necessary. Sure. And we also use a GPS tracker on all of our phones, both mom and mm -hmm. dad and the kids called Life360. Mm -hmm. um, so we know where they're at. I we do. found it helpful from all aspects, right? So they can see when we're mm. almost there to pick them up. Um, and they can see where we are. So that creates that, look, we're all just open about what yeah. we're doing. So I That's do awesome. wish that we did more with, you know, like the convent eyes and stuff I've seen um, to kind of check on what they've been on more. And we haven't. Um, but um, I do like that we're able to at least talk with them openly about, okay, yeah. what are you doing on your phone? And they're comfortable handing their phone to me and talking about things going on. That's great. So, so then Kale got his this year and he's 13, mm. but um, we wavered about it, but we decided to let him have it. Mm. So it's been seventh, eighth grade. So, yeah, awesome. So, for 
just offer this for our listeners, and it should be, above all, as you indicated, a conversation where we don't abrogate our parenthood, and you guys certainly have not, that they know we're parents, and to be parents is to have great concern for their souls and their formation. So four things I offer to our audience. Number one is a great book by Catherine Price called How to Break Up with Your Phone, and it's not as radical as the title suggests, Get Rid of Your Phone, but it is a clear indication of the sociological, neurological studies of what happens um, in rewiring the brain and the way we are for relationships and everything else. Um, and it's it's really worth understanding for parents to understand, for kids to understand uh, the, the dramatic impact that this thing can have on our lives. Number two, of course, I offered everybody, you know, rules in our homes that, um, you know, in our home, we, they don't take them to bed. Uh, they are off unless they really need them. Similarly, our kids seem to acquire a family phone at some point when they're playing soccer or something else for the purpose of connecting with us. Um, number three, bark. It's just called Bark. It's an app. It's awesome. It uh, has gr- is, is the best resource or tool I've seen to manage and monitor what our kids have on their homes phones. Fourthly is Disney Circle, which is unbelievable. It's awesome. It allows you total access and control. And I would use this for any of you who are listening out there, an example of helping our kids manage temptation. It's not question of trust. It's not a question of uh, believing in, in them, etc. It's uh, it's found really, quite frankly, in the act of contrition and, you know, free us from temptation. May we avoid all occasions of temptation. Well, this thing in our pockets is all the studies suggest, not just the content, but the wiring that it can have. This thing has the capacity to radically change the way our humanity is wired um, in relationship to God, in relationship to one another, and parents need to kind of get a handle on its influence and how much we allow it to influence us and to set it aside and rediscover um, relationship with one another. So, Steph, I don't know if you were going to... Well, no, you mentioned um, the Disney circle with that. What you alluded to was that you can put controls on their phone as to, okay, at, you know, like in our house, it's five o'clock. No internet access. No internet access. You know, after five, and, and they ask for permission, right? If they're if they're working on stuff for school or whatever, and that's on their computers, so it's not just the phones because our kids don't have, um, they all don't have phones yet. But um, so it just really, and you, you can see all of the activity, and mm-hmm. you can block certain sites, and um, like you said, it, it's just a matter. It's not a matter of trust or not trust, which arguments could be made either way i've Mm -hmm. heard many a good parent say yes i don't trust my kids (laughs) and that's fine (laughs) and that's fine too um I don't trust the influence and the power that presses in on them because I'm an adult male who prays and goes to mass and all that. I don't have but filters the, on my phone or on our, in our house just for our kids. I've got it there for me. And yes, I'm cultivating the strength and the response and all that sort of thing. But uh, come on, men. We've got brothers in, our, in Christ who are our age. We know the struggles and the challenges. We know the stats. And uh, put that on a, a testosterone-charged teenager. Come on. They're 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 going to get gunned down, and the implications for its impact uh, in their capacity to adhere spiritually, relationally, emotionally is going to be uh, epic. Anyway, we're kind of going off on that, but it's something that all families face, you know. And and I know for many couples, it's been a real source of contention, even for when you know what age do we give our child a phone, and you know for what reasons, and do we just use it for this or for that? And it's always good discussion, right? But it's um, 
So that's why we're kind of going off on this right now. <laughs> on well, this road this trip. This is the Family Road Trip Podcast. You know, these are the things that impact our capacity to relate to one another that, let's face it, did not exist 20 years ago. The relational uh, distance did not exist, and we just needed together as, as uh, adults, as married couples, as families address these. So awesome. Brett, <laughs> circling all the way back to you and the question, um, how, what was a singular blessing for you in the Lit Gathering this past week? Yeah, I think, you know, the blessing that comes from, as I alluded to, the bomb that got set off is that, uh, you know, we learned that as parents, we got to do a better job knowing that we have uh, children who don't adjust well to those last minute things, Mm -hmm. that we do a better job of planning uh, so that we don't throw those last minute adjustments. Mm. So the blessing that comes from that is we got the light, the light shine upon us that we better job of planning so that we don't have that explosion that was awesome Before I land us on this fifth stop of the seven-week journey, inviting everybody to join us at ilovemyfamily.us to make your homes places of uh, encounter with God more fully alive in our relationships, just we encourage you to do that. Just want to open the door before we conclude here tonight. If any of you have on your heart in our wonderful uh, road trippers here, any words of encouragement to anybody out there who's at home with their family, uh, who may be facing any particular struggles, just if you have something, we'll just see where this leads. But if you, you have a something welling up inside of you, connecting with friends or family, and, and a word that you think may console or encourage them, I just give an opportunity to impart that right now. I would, I would say, uh, just take the time and, uh, and come to Jesus. And trust that he is going to lead you in this time of, of spending time with your family and listening to him. Amen. Thank you. Awesome. I have a little um, passage that I read. It's, it's um, from a blog, actually. <clears throat> and I read it in the morning to remind me. <laughs> says take that bubble bath go for that run call that friend use that essential oil but if peace is what you want you better go to jesus Mm. he's the creator and prince of peace and he wants to give it to you awesome so folks that concludes our fifth stop of the seven week journey family road trip podcast so blessed that you've been along the road with us and united with you in spirit in a powerful way in this time of difficulty and challenge just know and proclaim it God is in it. He's sovereign. He's overall. And blessedness comes by way of brokenness. So receive it and pray for the eyes of the Father in heaven and the heart of the Father in heaven with all those around you to whom he has entrusted. Maybe even one way to think about this right now, think about each family member and what if right now they had a crippling, life-threatening disease? What if you had a sense that this was it for them, that their uh, their days, maybe even hours, were numbered? How differently might you view them? How might you perhaps have regret? Well, now's the opportunity, if you will, to um, open those doors of relationship connection, to convey your love, to convey apology, forgiveness. Hold nothing back. Let this week be that kind of week 
that you would live as if it was the last week of your life. Imagine that. If we live this next week as if it was the last week of our life in relationship to those whom we love, and after that, imagine that we'd meet our Maker, because Jesus desires that we live our life so richly and fully like that. We're united with you in it. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, God bless you. The following is another true story shared at a recent Ignite event, pronouncing that the love of God is truly alive and present today. Ignites are uplifting evenings of witness, word, and worship in the real presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. For more information, go to massimpact.us. One world, one mission. Alive in Jesus Christ. I'm actually going to read what my daughter Rachel wrote and sent to me, but I brought Megan up here with me because she is Rachel's identical twin sister. So you can imagine what Rachel looks like. So these are Rachel's words. When I moved to Cincinnati over a year ago, I tried to go to mass every weekend, but eventually I just stopped going. I started going out a lot and drinking more and eventually I met a guy. We started dating, and before long, it wasn't a big deal for me to let him spend the night. I became a completely different person than I was raised to be, and I ignored my religious beliefs in an instant. I just didn't care anymore. When I came home to visit in December, my mom only wanted one thing for Christmas, for all of us to go to Ignite together as a family. I really didn't want to go. I wasn't ready to change, and I didn't want to. After a couple of days of whining about it, I finally decided to go with everyone, although I didn't have a very open mind. At first, I just sat there. I sang some of the songs and just watched everyone around me. I was not planning on going to confession at all, because like I said, I didn't want to change. But being in that environment reminded me of going to Steubenville in high school with our youth group. All of these thoughts of the old me kept running through my head and how happy I used to be. After sitting there for a while longer, I suddenly looked over at my mom and said, I have to go to confession. I stood up, walked over, and got in line. While I was standing in line, my brain was going a million miles an hour. I was nervous to change. I was scared that my boyfriend wouldn't understand and that he would leave me. What I didn't realize at the time was that God needed me to be there. He needed me to come back to him. He knew I was about to need him more than ever, and he wanted me to be prepared. After I went to confession, My worries about my boyfriend didn't even matter anymore. I was so happy and didn't care if he left me or not. Once I got back to Cincinnati, I found out that I was pregnant. I'm 22 years old. I just graduated from college. I have an apprenticeship that is paying the bills with some left over to pay on my student loans. And now I am also a single mom. My baby is due to arrive in September. 
<laughs> if it wasn't for me going to Ignite that evening, I don't think I would have been able to deal with this news as well as I did. The grace I received that night helped me to get back on track, to see things more clearly, and to make better decisions. Thank you, Jesus. And just a little addition to that, um, we were sitting right back here and that night, and it was the presents for Christmas, the one right before Christmas, a couple days before Christmas. And um, the whole time, I hadn't nagged her about going to confession, which I usually did when she'd come home to visit. I hadn't said a word, but the whole time I was praying to the Holy Spirit, and I was just praying in the really radical way, and I just said, just push her. Holy Spirit, just give her a push. Even if you have to knock her right out into the aisle, I was just, my brain was just thinking of all these things. And um, it was right then when she leaned over and told me that she was going to confession. And I wasn't sure if that was really what she said or not. And I thought, maybe she said she was leaving. I'm not sure. And my husband said, what's she saying? I go, I think she's going to confession. So we just started praying even harder. But she was pregnant when we were here, but she did not know it. So... It's just, um, she's really on the right track now, and thanks to the grace of the sacrament and having um, these events available really changed her life. Thank you. The Holy Spirit is moving. This is a historic moment. We're about more than a moment, but a movement. We're engaging pastors and parishioners in the great adventure of becoming dynamic communities of intentional disciples. For more information, go to massimpact.us. One world, one mission, alive in Jesus Christ. For you are God, my Savior, and my